Flyers Daily with Jason Mertides. All right, we got brand new Flyers Daily for Tuesday, April 5th, as the Flyers started home and home tonight with the Columbus Blue Jackets. 7 o'clock at Wells Fargo Center. They'll be in Columbus coming up on Thursday uh, to take on the Blue Jackets there. Then Saturday against the Anaheim Ducks. Tuesday next week against Washington and Wednesday at Wells Fargo Center against the New York Rangers, who, of course, the Flyers coming off a shootout win over the Rangers just on Sunday. It'll be three games in four days tonight, also with Columbus. Flyers won that second game, the shootout win over the New York Rangers, lost the first game 6-3 against the Toronto Maple Leafs. They'll look to get a win tonight at Wells Fargo. But it is Tuesday. Usually on Mondays, we talk to Bill Meltzer. We're coming off back-to-back games, so we've delayed Bill a day, but he joins us on this episode. You read his work on PhiladelphiaFlyers.com, NHL.com, and HockeyBuzz.com. It is Tuesdays with Meltzer. Bill, how you doing? Doing well. How about you? Feels odd coming off a a shootout win. (laughs) That's kind of been something that we haven't seen in quite a while. Yeah, uh, actually, a shootout goal is something we haven't seen in quite a while. So, yeah, yeah. but uh, you know, and what what a goal it was too by uh, by Kevin Hayes. That was that was a pretty filthy shot. Yeah, he, he goes to Phil Mickelson's golf bag and grabs a, <laughs> a left handed lob wedge and just kind of. It's almost like he rolled the puck onto his blade and then lacrosse shot it in. It was yeah. beautiful. Yeah. A little bit of an off-speed one, too. That'll drive a goalie crazy. You could tell, like, after Shosturka was like, oh, man, <laughs> you got me. <laughs> yeah. Flyers, Flyers get a win. And, Bill, what I want to start with you is this. is something I mentioned in yesterday's episode, something I talked to Steve Alicat about in uh, the Stick to Hockey live show. And it's about the notion of winning. Now, when a season is lost and the, I guess, the balancing act of, you know, wanting to win, but is that better for the organization from a ping pong ball perspective? And I broke down all the numbers and teams that finished with the worst record, but didn't get the number one pick. And even if you have the worst record, you have only a 25.7% chance of landing the number one overall pick, which tells you that you have a 74.3% chance of not landing it. Right. Right. So, so winning, I, I think is more important. I, I do too. And the very, and even if it's, even if you don't get the outcomes, you know, it, the process uh, of going about trying to win games, you know, I mean, right, right now the flyers, you know, the flyers are a little short on, on top end talent compared to other teams that that's, that's shows up in these games, but they are, you know, but they're not, they're not getting outworked. They're, they're showing more resolve than they showed, you know, for much of the season. Those are all positive things that you need to, you need to kind of bake into it, you know, as, as you head into the off season, um, you know, and you and I actually have discussed this off the air, you know, what the value is and isn't in terms of young players when you're out of, when you're out of playoff contention late in the season, it's like, it's like September baseball for a team that's out of contention, you know, a player, a young player may come up and have a great September and you, you take that with a grain of salt, but, but by the same token, it, the experience, the experience itself, is valuable. Like last night's game, uh, you know, against against the Rangers, in overtime, you have uh, Panarin's line on the ice, and you know, Yo goes out there with with Frost, Tippett, and York, and they almost won the game too. Yeah. So you know that that that's valuable experience just in that, or some of the you know just in some of the matchups those guys are facing. Um, you know, Noah Cates kill, killing a penalty, and he's out there, and Sabinajad is out there, and Panarin's out there, and Fox is out there. 
You know, so whether you win the game or not, this is something that he can kind of take into next season, the future, go, you know what? I I can play against these guys. I I belong here. And that's, that's where the value is. And the other part of it is then the players go, okay, I know what it's like to have to compete at that level. Now I can go into my off season with the knowledge of knowing what it takes at the NHL level. Like you said, Cates is out there in a key situation against the number two ranked power play in the NHL with Panarin Fox and Kreider. And we know that how good they've been on the power. I mean, Kreider for Jesus has 24 power play goals and uh, Zabanajad's got 13. Yeah. That's crazy. I mean, uh, you know, I mean, talk talk about trial, you know, trial by fire. They faced Toronto, who they were. Like, thankfully, they limited them to only one power play. But yeah. you know, Toronto and the the Rangers are number one and number two in the power yeah. play in the league. The matchups don't get any tougher than that, special teams wise. Yeah, yeah. One team, Toronto, that was clicking at thirty percent coming into that game, and the Rangers last night at twenty five point five percent after the game. So, it, I think it's just paramount. And to me, like. You know, then being okay with losing in pro sports, it it's it, it kind of equates to like a mechanic who works on a car all day and he's got all that grease under his fingernails and his hands. You don't just wash it off. Yeah. You know, if you're okay with losing, then that that's a loser's mentality, and you don't just wash your hands one time and that's clean. You gotta, you can't ever be okay with losing. No, ab- absolutely not. And and you can look, even look in the Flyers' own organization this year. You know, the Phantoms. Have a real long shot to make the playoffs. It's mathematically still possible, but the the odds are not good at all. And the Phantoms went into this weekend three games and three nights. Um, you know, Friday, Saturday evening home games, and then then after a, and then after a Saturday evening home game, they got they have to go to Bridgeport, Connecticut for a road game on Sunday afternoon, That's right? Cool. <laughs> and they they dug deep and they won the game. And they're still, you know, so they'll probably run out of time here. You know, they're, they're not going to run the table. But just just to play in those games, to show that, to show that you're, you know, to show that you're competing to, you know, the, the, these, are, these are your playoff games, essentially, right? So, you know, that, that's a positive. Whether it, whether it falls short or not, you know, that, that's a positive you could take away. And it's the same thing for the Flyers, although they're mathematically, you know, eliminated. Same, same principle. And look, the culture of winning has to be so consistent at every element of the organization. So it's important that it's there at the Phantoms. And it's important that it's happening at the Flyers level, even though, like you said, they can't match up against these teams like the Toronto Maple Leafs, like the Rangers, you know, from a talent standpoint right now. But it's important they go out there and they execute and do the little things necessary to win, which brings me to my next point. Because when I look at the stat line in the box score last night, there's a couple things that I see here that really jumped out at me. It's number one, these two players, Ivan Provorov and Cam York, a combined eight block shots, four block shots each. The Rangers threw, I think, 86 attempts at the net, got 46 shots through. But four block shots for Cam York, four block shots for Ivan Provorov in a game that doesn't mean anything to me is more telling than it is about the, the, the result. Yeah, for sure. Um, uh, you know, it, it's uh, you, you face a team like that that's gonna that they have something to play for. They're playing for home ice in the first, you know, for, to go in, going into the playoffs and and staying above the wild card cutoff. That's still not determined yet. So you're you're playing playing against them, real top grade competition. You know, it's important for Provorov to finish the year strong. Um, you have York playing on his offside, 
And just to have that possibility of being able to do that going forward, that's huge. And to, you know, to step up as they did, um, you know, there, there's the, the bend but don't break mentality. And the Flyers had to do a lot of bending at times last night. Unfortunately, you know, there were those two quick back-to-back goals in the third period once it got to three to one. But, but still, to have, to have those two guys step up as they have, um, whether even, you know, there was a lot of attention, rightfully so, paid to Provorov's two goals against Toronto. But it's just really, it's, it's really, it's the total, the total package between the two of them. Yeah. Um, you know, people comment on, on how much faster the Flyers look. Well, that's because the puck moves faster than anybody can skate. You and when I you're talked moving, about it on Friday or on Saturday. <laughs> okay, there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and it's just you move the puck well out of the back end of the ice. You know, you get it up to the forwards. Then suddenly everybody looks faster. It's like when it's like when Ellis was briefly with the team at the start of the season. And uh, I remember the opener against Vancouver. Wow, the Flyers look fast. Well, they look fast because they were moving the puck fast. Yeah. And you know, it's been bad. and said JVR, did he get faster? And I can assure you, he's not. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly, exactly, exactly. You know, it's when, when guys get stationary and you're it takes three, four attempts to just get out of the zone. That's when you look a lot slower as a team. And no, the Flyers may not have as many guys with blazing speed as some other teams, but they're you know nobody is truly a slow team in today's NHL. It's just uh, it, it, it's all relative. So if you can move the puck well you can get a vice too. Yeah. I mean, you see it case in point, especially, you know, with Cam York, a quick decision, a quick up on a puck that's turned over just inside their blue line. They're attacking again right away. And when you regroup and go back D to D three or four times, now you're playing into the teeth in the neutral zone. And when you're quick transition like that, you're playing off the rush a lot more and you get more scoring chances and better scoring chances. And even if you don't get a scoring chance off the rush, you're obtaining the zone and getting set up with your forecheck on a team that's in retreat mode as opposed to waiting on you and then just getting the puck and going the other way. Yeah, and you, you know you know another element too is having the threat of defensemen that can jump up into the play. And I mean, the, the confidence that Travis Sanheim yeah. is showing jumping in, into the play, I mean, as high as it's ever been in his, his entire professional career. Um, last night, I mean, he really, he really started the, you know, the, the, well, I guess, I guess also Lindblom too, his patience in the neutral zone, but just, I mean, Sandheim jumping into that play. And then, I mean, Farabee just had a tap in from there. Yeah, ha- having, those. Oh, yeah for sure. Well, Sandheim sure. starts it though, Bill, in the D zone in the corner, he breaks up exactly. the play, yeah. right? And gets it up to Lindblom. Uh, well, get, right. breaks up the play, gets it to, I forget who it was. And then they get it to Lindblom and then, and he recognizes right away, Hey, if a D's joining this rush, now we're in a great position. And then Lindblom pulls up patient, drops it off to him. And he just beats his guy, and so does Farabee, and they finish it. Yeah, and it's it, it's so so much a part of today's NHL, having defensemen that can can join the play up ice. Um, you know, I mean, that's something York is very good at too, and then we'll see more and more. I mean, I scored the goal off of a faceoff last night, but but uh, just just his ability to do that brings a whole other element to the attack. It helps the forwards too. Yeah. I mean, the, the forwards become more productive that way too. So that's, you know, um, that, that, that that's a big, big thing. Actually, I uh, wanted to wanted to ask you something. Um, I, I, if you listen to, I, I thought it was interesting. If you listen to Elliot Friedman's most recent podcast, they were saying that, you know, in the NHL, the the classic question is, can this team win two to one games? Yeah. Right. Um, 
He said the way that it's gone the regular season, maybe not in the playoffs, but just with scoring up league wide, really a lot of a lot of the season, you know, a lot of the question mark this season the NHLs, can you win the five to four game, right? Yeah. The six to five game. I mean, when the Flyers get into some of those high scoring games, they typically don't don't end up with more than the other side because of the, the issues that we've talked about, you know, really even in this program. Other teams have more really top end guys. So I mean that's uh you know, the, the Flyers have to be better, obviously, in some of those two-to-one kind of games. One to nothing is tough for anybody, right? But the Flyers have won a, a fair number of two-to-one Seven. games this year. A third Seven. of their wins are two-to-one. Right. So the, they, they have promise in, in that area, can still get better, but just in terms of some – because you have to play the game that's in front of you. You know, when things open up like they did against Toronto, can they be that team that it, it can win that kind of game too? They really, you really have not been that kind of team. The yeah. season, so that's uh, that's something to work, you know, work towards, and the ability of the defenseman to generate offense is a big help towards that. I mean, the teams they've beaten two to one this year, Bill. Only two of the two one wins of the seven were against teams probably not going to the postseason, and that's Vancouver, who they beat two to one in their second road game of the season on that back to back with Edmonton, where they beat Edmonton five three, and then Vancouver two one, and then the other team that they beat two to one, I think, was. Um, um, I've just got to look at it real quick now because I can't recall. They uh, did they beat the Islanders two to one? They yeah, have two of the Islanders too. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and they beat Washington twice two to one. They beat Vegas two to one. They beat Calgary two to one. I mean, you're talking about that. That's to me, that's the second hardest score to win by. One nothing's the hardest. Two to one's yeah. the second hardest. And I, I don't know what it says about the team that they've been able to do that, but. Uh, we'll find out going forward. But you're right. They need more high-end talent to get when they get in those shootouts and those games that are going to end up being, you know, five to three or six to four, that they need to find a way to be able to keep pace in those games. And they just haven't been able to do that, especially as currently constructed. But one of the big controversies over the last couple of days, obviously, was the healthy scratch of Keith Yandel. And I almost want to be done with it. I don't even want to talk to you about it, but I have to. <laughs> because... You know, the hot takes are out there, and we saw some former players, whether it be Carlo Koliakovo or Jeremy Roenick, um, be really critical of the organization, call it classless, disgraceful, that they scratched Keith Yandel at 989. He's got the record. He broke the record. And you saw other uh, former players like uh, Mike Rupp go on a rant and go, why are we forcing these records to get extended when the player hasn't earned their way there? And to me, there's a little bit of participation trophy mentality in this. Not that Ronick was a, a participation trophy guy or Koliakovo, but why do we have this incessant need to break records? It should be based on legitimacy, earn your way into the lineup. And I've always said this, this game, you earn your way into the lineup with your play and you earn your way out of the lineup with your play. And as much as I like Keith Yandel and respect him and everything, he earned his way out of the lineup. Well, I agree. You know, I, looking at it objectively, because you know, and, and and Mike Rupp also said this to you, over you know, just just putting aside the person that's involved, because you know Keith Yandel had one heck of a career. He's been an All Star a few times, and, and is an All Star human being, and every everybody likes the guy. And and uh, you know, Kevin Hayes articulated the human side of it very very well. I mean, he's Great. he's a role model for guys in the room. The way he lives his life is inspirational. You know, it, 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 it's hard it's hard not to get a get a little bit of emotion tied up into it, and and that's you know that that's definitely part of the equation. Now, in terms of merit, 
I mean, listen, a season ago in Florida, we'll keep the Flyers out of the equation for a second. He almost, he almost, the streak almost ended at the start of the season. Game one. Game one, yeah. And ultimately, Joe Quenville elected to keep, you know, elected to put him in the lineup and keep the streak going. And he dressed every game last season. But Quenville really didn't have a lot of trust in the player, truthfully. He, he was playing about 11 minutes a night, a lot of nights, mostly power play. Um, one goal games, he would not be used in third periods. And then when the playoffs rolled around and the, the streak wasn't affected, it was scratched. Yeah. Yep. And if you're not if you're not part of the the equation, starting six on defense, you know, once you get to the playoffs, that that really tells you about the, you know, degree of effectiveness that the player has. Yeah. And then this year, I mean, the Flyers kept him in the lineup, although his play, truthfully, dictated. He started out great. He had a great camp, great first week of the season, even the even the beginning of that that first Western road trip, the first game or so. And then after that, his play tailed off and kind of went down from there and never really bounced back to an appreciable degree. If he did not have the streak, chances are he would have been scratched. I, I you know, I, I'm, I don't want to put a number on it, but multiple times. And by December. Yes. No, no, no question. No question. So, you know, he, uh, you know, he set the record and that that's fantastic. Um. You know, and and then you know, and and then it just becomes a, a question of okay, what what is the final number, right? There, there, a thousand games is a nice round number. It sounds satisfying, but really, is a difference. It's a really a difference between when you play that many straight games, right? Between a thousand and nine eighty nine. And, and I get, I get the the counterpoint to that. Okay, well, you're out of the race. You know, what does it hurt to keep them in? I mean, you, you could make that case too. Yep. But they're they had a, you know, they had a player just signed out of college who's kind of an offensive defenseman, um, you know, and, and they wanted to give him a more defensive minded partner because they, he wasn't going to play in either of those top two pairings. Those, those pairings are set for the rest of this year. So who was going to give the kid the best chance to succeed? Would it be another offensive defenseman who has some defensive liabilities or would it be more of a stay at home shot blocking kind of guy? That's really, it was really about, Ronnie Adderd, even though Sealer, and then I guess last night Connaughton, but the red streak was already broken by then. It was really, it was really more about trying to put the rookie in a position to succeed, the best position to succeed, really than about taking, you know, really than about taking Yandel out for for Sealer. You have to kind of look at it that way. Yeah. Um, I think that uh, you know, I think Mike Rupp did make a very good point about where your the streak is wonderful. And as long as it's being perpetuated on merit, fantastic. It's yeah. when you're propping the streak up, you know, and, and it becomes almost like an act of charity to a player who has had a too good of a career to be a recipient of charity. Yeah. You know? Somebody had tweeted me and said, and this guy claims he's a coach, said what they should just dress him and let him play one shift. So he can sit there for 59 minutes and 15 seconds on the bench. Do you think the guy has no dignity that – Look, Gary Unger, Tim Saunders told me the story about Gary Unger. He had the streak going, and he was on the bench, and the coach didn't play him the whole shift. And one of the players on the bench said to him, just jump out on the ice. What's he going to do? He goes, I'm not doing that. Unless he wants me on that ice, it's not valid. 
And yeah. Alex Appleyard put out this tweet, and I thought it was really apropos. He said, Keith Yandel, Doug Jarvis, Gary Younger all had the record. All three streaks ended due to coaches benching them due to poor play. He said, in the case of Jarvis, he was benched, then sent to the AHL and never played another NHL game. Everything comes to an end. You don't get to decide, no matter who you are for the most part, you don't get to decide when your time is up. And whether that's as a player in total or to be in the lineup, Wayne Gretzky, the game eventually decided it was time to hang it up. Same for Mario Lemieux. It took a long time for the game to figure it out for Gordy Howell to 52 years of age. But it just it comes for everyone, and it came for Keith Yandel, and there's going to be no good time to end the streak. Yeah, for, for sure. I, you know, I mean, I know Joe Watson very well. I'm working on a book with you Joe tell Watson. that story, by the way. Yeah. So, you know, just, just for those who, those who don't really know Joe's career that well, Joe was an original flyer, um, the, the team of the 67 season, won two Stanley Cups with the team, was a two-time NHL All-Star there and there, and he's a Flyers Hall of Famer. But he was declining. And after the 77-78 season, Keith Allen, who had, who had coached the team and then was the general manager and the architect of the Cup teams, called Joe in his office. And he said, listen, Joe, you know, this, is a, this is a tough conversation. You, 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 know, you know how I feel about you. Um, but you know you're not going to be a regular starter for the Flyers anymore. Um, you know uh, we can we can handle this one or one of two different ways. You know one way would be we keep you on as a depth defenseman. Uh, you you might start 25 games, you may start 40 games. You know it really kind of depends on how injuries and those kind of things go. But but you're not going to be an every game player anymore. Alternatively, you know you, you can. Find a team where you, you think you can play regularly, and I'll do my best to work out a trade so that, you know, you, you can go somewhere where you can play. And, and Joe has told me, you know, in hindsight, he should have swallowed his pride and said, you know what, I'll, I'll be a part-time player for a year, and then I'll retire. Um, he said that his pride wouldn't let him take uh, a reduced role. So – um, he, he named two teams, one of which was Pittsburgh, one of which was Colorado, both, both of them bo- bottom of the standings in the NHL. And, um, he was traded to Colorado who named him the captain. He said that, you know, he could see in the first month of the season that he just couldn't do things that he used to do before. Wouldn't admit it to himself, but he kept playing. And then he had a, a game against St. Louis where he shattered his leg in 13 places. And that's how his career ended. And he said, in hindsight, I, you know, I say, what was, what was I trying to prove at that point? Because father time always wins. Yeah. And that's, you know, that, that's, really, that's really just a case in point of a guy who meant a lot to an organization, had had a real strong career, you know, in, in his own right. And, uh, you know, just, just pride wouldn't let him take a smaller role. So, it, uh, you know, it, it ultimately, you know, it was an unfortunate accident that ended his career. But that's a, that's a case in point of why, no matter who you are, the game ultimately dictates it. Father time always wins. Yeah, always, 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 always. Totally agree. Um, Bill, l- let me ask you real quick about, you know, in that Ranger game, there was a, a, a sequence of plays that happened. It was the Flyers scoring the Cam York goal. And then forty about 40 seconds later, New York is on the attack in the Flyers. And we know their, their woes of giving up a goal after they get one. And 40 seconds after that goal, Alex Lafreniere's got a glorious opportunity in between the hash marks. 
Martin Jones fights it off with a great left shoulder save. Flyers go down the other end of the ice and they score. They get the goal and they go up two to nothing in the game. That sequence, I, mean, I know Martin Jones is thinking after that, as soon as that goal goes in, he goes, that's my goal. Because yeah. I prevented one here and you went right down and scored. It's a two for one. Yeah. Need more of those moments. Th- those are those key moments that can really strangle a game. I know they gave up the lead in the third period and all that, but to me, that is a huge moment in that game. No question. There have been, as you said, and so many times this season, what happened in the third period is more typical of the season. But that was that was absolutely huge to strike there. As you said, after you, after you got the clutch save, you know, and, and uh, it, it, it's really, you know, it's really – one of those one of those things that you do you will be one of the takeaways from late in the season that that particular play and then you know and also also to me another takeaway although it didn't result in the goal was, was overtime where they had frost tip and york out against like it was panarin fox and i think zabinajan yeah and and they've and the flyers almost won the game actually york frost, glorious yeah, frost turned fox inside out and yeah. it took two Tremendous saves by Shesterkin too. I mean, that 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 would have been just a you know a great finish right there where the kids win the game against you know against a superstar trio for the other side. Yeah. That, uh, but that that you know that shows you some some of the elements that are there and you're just you want to see the consistency. You want to see them take those next steps, right? So that's and there's no there's no guarantees that uh, you know that they'll do it, but but you can at least see the talent that's there. That was one of those flashes where you can see a vision of what a brighter future might look like. What well, Morgan Frost, he's had moments here, Bill, and on that play, you know, he, he does. He turns Fox inside out. He's had moments where, I mean, he could stick handle in a phone booth. You're seeing the skills, and you're seeing also the other elements of his game start to have a lot more consistency of late. He's starting to look like a different player. He sure is. On the defensive side of the puck, yep, he's yeah. way more confident. Win- winning battles on the walls. Second and third effort plays. Um, you notice he's calling for the puck now. Yeah. Which is, you know, which is a sign of a confident player. Um, you know, so that's, uh, that those, those are all big things. And, uh, his body language is so much better, so much better. And, and that the goal that he set up the Sandheim goal recently, where we were took the puck away and then he kind of dangled around a little bit, found, found the D man joining. I mean, those are, you know, there's there's that creativity and skill level where he's not just trying to blend in and, and not get uh, you know not get beaten. He's trying he's trying to make plays. So, yeah. you know that 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 that's huge. Even though the even though the points aren't showing it yet, um, Mike Yo said the you know, the other day that you know everything is there, but the but the explosion of points. So the one thing that's never been a question with him is hands, right? Yeah. That's uh, that's why he got drafted was for his hands and his ice vision. So. Yeah. You know, it was it was all the other elements he had to work on. So the points will come back in at some point, you know, hopefully next year. You know, whatever he gets this the rest of the season is just gravy. But you want him to, to play the right way the rest of this year. And then hopefully, you know, hopefully he he brings that back with the points next year. So that's a, that's another big thing. Bill, I've been really impressed with the skating ability in particular. I know he's only got the one goal Owen Tippett he got against the Rangers, the second goal of the game. But what I've been really impressed with is the skating ability for a guy with his stature and frame. He's got a really good burst. I, I, I wasn't expecting it to be that good. 
No, uh, you know, I, I mean, I knew he was, I knew he was an above average skater, but you don't really truly get a, a sense of a guy skating until you're watching him every game, every shift. And yeah, he's yeah. one of your focal guys, you know, um, you know, in Florida, you're watching, you know, you're watching Barkov and you're watching Huberto and right. And, and, and if, uh, you know, if Tippett did something that stood out, you know, you would notice it, but you weren't really, he wasn't necessarily the guy you're focusing on every shift. Um, you know, now, now, now that he's, he's, you know, in, in this organization and he, you know, was such a key piece of the Giroux trade, you know, over other, you know, there might've been other prospects that they might've gotten in lieu of him. So you're really, you know, you're really watching the player and, and he's an exceptional skater yeah. for a guy his size. Um, I was also surprised by how much he likes to handle the puck and he's pretty good at it too. Yeah. So, you know, he's not, he's not just, yeah, I think he can still do a little better job at getting to the net. Um, you know, I'm you score from the slot, but I mean, the, a lot of times when guys are in a slump, it's that one that bounces in off of you up front. I mean, he scored that nice goal after losing. He he like he bobbled the puck, he got it back, and then he shot one, shot a nice shot over the glove, and he said then he had the other couple breakaways. But I, I think if he got to the net a little bit more, got a couple deflections, you know, scored a few scrambles around the net, yeah, rebound. Then, then maybe you don't have. Then maybe it's not as streaky, and then the other ones, you know, it, it opens up space too for some sometimes for some of those other kinds of you know goals from a little bit more distance. So I mean, there there's still areas to improve, but all the elements are there. I mean, they're from from a physical standpoint, he's a very impressive young player. Yeah, I mean, we're in the final month of the season, and I think we're starting to see the page turn to a new era with some of the young players. And they obviously they need more high end talent, and that's something that Chuck Fletcher and the management team will try to address in the off season. But I think we're starting to see some elements, and you know, I'm I'm not excited because they beat the Rangers in the shootout, um, but I, I'm refreshed to see young talent and see it start making plays. But the last thing I want to ask you about is a player that's not a young player. And it's a guy that a lot of people said, just shut him down. And that's Kevin Hayes. Yeah. Because, Bill, he didn't look at any point this year, certainly, like this Kevin Hayes. And I don't think that even last year he ever looked like this Kevin Hayes. This is 1920 Kevin Hayes and maybe even a little bit better. Everybody that they're playing him with is producing points. And he is like the, the tippet goal. He drives the net to suck that defender down so that when Tippett does lose that puck, he gets it back and he's got an opportunity. He's doing the little things right. He's playing down below the goal line in his D zone, playing below the goal line in the offensive zone, moving better. His vision, his distribution is better. It's, it seems like it's all there for Kevin Hayes. And I'm so glad that he came back because I know that it'll mean a ton for him going forward, especially on a team without Claude Drew where he's got to take a bigger piece of the pie. Uh, as a leader and a contributor, that this is a huge, huge comeback for him uh, since he's returned this time, and huge for him to finish this off strong. No, no question. Could agree a hundred percent. You know, uh, such a big part of Hayes's game is how he protects the puck. Oh, so good. He's, he's taken off of pucks. For, you know, he just, you know, the, so much of that's core strength, right? That's where your your engine room is. So you get your legs churning to be able to shield the puck, be able to to power to the net, or, or you know, or, or just or just take a guy wide. Sometimes, I mean, he's not going to beat you with speed. He'll beat you with strength. He'll muscle in and then he'll cut in towards the net. But if you're, you know, but if that that abdominal area isn't, isn't strong, those cuts to the inside, particularly, you're not going to be able to make them. Or it's just a little, you know, little poke check and the puck is off your stick. He, you know, he's uh, he's very physically strong and he looks very physically strong again too. So that's, 
that's huge. And and you mentioned uh, without Giroux, and it's also without Couturier too. Yeah, Couturier won't be back till next season. So, so really, he kind of has to be the guy that that sets that example of you know of keeping the competitive in games and and leading the way. And he's done it. He's done a tremendous job of that. Not not just point wise, just in terms of his overall game. So that's one less thing to worry about. You know. Because it was, you know, it was clear that it was never a matter that he couldn't play. It was just a matter that he wasn't healthy. Yeah, and um, like a core injury is one of those things. Like you go, oh, the player's got to play and be effective through injuries. A core injury is different because it's not a pain threshold thing. Your body just doesn't allow you to be heavy on pucks. No, I mean, uh, you know, I, I, you can go all the way back to Michael Renberg. Michael mm-hmm. Renberg before the hundred percent, you know, uh, abdominal muscle tear was almost impossible to take off the puck. Um, you know, Yarmir Yager was the hardest guy, hardest winger in the NHL to take off the puck, but Renberg was right up there with the Leclercs of the league. As when he, After he had that tear, was never the same player again in that particular aspect. Such such a huge aspect. And it was, was an effort. Certainly wasn't pain threshold, but that guy had to go through just to play. You know, it was, was you know, cringe he, he, hearing what he had to go through. Yeah. Um, that, that just, that's just one example. I mean, there are other examples too, but I mean, that that's a lot of what Kevin Hayes was going through. So that, so that he's healthy and is productive again, that that's great news. No, absolutely. And I lied. I got one more for you because Tyson Forrester, we didn't think we were going to see him again after the shoulder injury bill. He's back in the OHL hat trick again this weekend. Boy, has he looked, I know it's the OHL yeah. and he, you know, played in the AHL uh, before nor- in normal circumstances he would, but, Boy, he's got this scoring ability and this shot and this release, and I think that him coming back this year is another big element. I think he is a legit piece to be very excited for. Oh, no question. I mean, when you look at the, to me, when you look at the Flyers' power play for the future, mm-hmm. um, and the Flyers now have several guys who can who can stand near the left dot and then fire off right-handed one-timers, but the best pure shooter of the bunch is Forster. Forster. Yeah. You know, and and I mean that that's a total respect to a guy like Wade Allison, who was a hell yeah. of a shot too. But Forster, Forster's shot is big time, big time. I mean, he, you know, there's other parts of his game that he's been it's working elite. on. Yeah, it, it's elite. He, he has an elite one timer from the from the dot. So that's, uh, you know, that he's scoring goals in the, you know, from from that area of the ice again, and can finish the season strong. You know, that's uh, that, that's great. His team just clinched a playoff spot, too, so we'll get in some playoff games this year. Yeah, too. that's so great to see because, you know, I watch him and I watch when he when he uncorks one of those one-timers, it's past the goalie before he moves. That's just such an indication that this thing has got real rapid pace on it, the way he gets it off. And I love, the, you know, another one of his goalies, he's down around the crease and banging and going to those places. And if you want to score in the league, having that shot's great, but you also got to go to those places. Kind of going back to what you said about Tippett, you got to go to those spots. Scoring is going to those places because that's where goals come from. Yeah, you have to be able to, you know, uh, you have to be able sometimes to go around the net or, or score in some of those scrambles. I mean, I mean, not even not even Ovechkin, who might have the best one-timer, you know, ever, right? Even Ovechkin scores goals from different areas. And that's yeah. that's really that's really part and parcel of being a goal scorer. You have to be able to score goals in different ways. 
No doubt about it. Bill, this was awesome. Thanks for doing this. Flyers will be back at it tonight. Uh, home and home starting with the Columbus Blue Jackets at Wells Fargo Center tonight, Thursday in Columbus. Just hoping Columbus doesn't score in that game because I hate that stupid cannon. But anyway, uh, Bill, thanks for doing this. Read real stuff on PhiladelphiaFlyers.com, NHL.com, and HockeyBuzz.com. And we'll talk to you tomorrow on a brand new edition of Flyers Daily. Have a great day, everybody. Something.